0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: You're the mom, the maid,
0: the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey, everybody. I'm Denise Sinitka, and welcome to a brand new episode of On a Mother Level. This is episode 83, and this is the start of our little dad's month. So Father's Day is this weekend, and so for the next four weeks, every episode of On a Mother Level will feature a dad. And what's cool about a couple of them is that you just heard from their wives during our little Mother's Month, even though every month is Mother's Month here on On a Mother Level. So the first one is going to be an interview with my pal Jason. And you may or may not have heard Brittany's episode. She was episode... I can't remember what number. Anyway, she talked about going through IVF and expecting her baby boy to be due in September. And so I thought it would be cool because Brittany walked through the IVF process for us. So I wanted to talk to Jason about like what's going on through the mind of the man during IVF and during family planning stages. And so I brought my friend Jason on to talk about that. Today I was thinking about Jason because I walked into 7-Eleven. We have a 7-Eleven right across from the station here in Moline. And when Jason and I were co-anchoring together, We used to go to that 7-Eleven every single day. So we would come in. We both worked at 2 o'clock. We would come in. We would attend our afternoon meeting, kind of like hang around at our desk area. And about 3 o'clock every day, we would walk across the street to 7-Eleven and get a coffee. Sometimes coffee and a candy. Sometimes coffee and a chips. Sometimes coffee and a banana. But we would always, every single day, go and get a coffee. And we did that for the three or four years or however long that we worked together um, here at the station. And then once Jason left, I didn't have anyone to go get a coffee with anymore. And I don't know, it's just one of those things that's funner to do with someone because you usually had something to complain about as you walked you know, across the street. And there's something about crossing 16th Street in Moline that feels a little bit perilous. We almost got hit up. A- Couple of times, so doing that all by myself doesn't feel um, quite as fun anymore. So it's been years since I've walked across the street to the 7 Eleven, but I did this time, you know, to really get in the mind frame of Jason's episode here on On a Mother Level. And I got myself a coffee and a snack, and the gal working behind the counter was the same one who used to help Jason and I. And sure enough, she said, Hey have you heard from Jason recently? And I said, well, what do you know? I surely have. So anyway, just a way for me to say that uh, Jason is a friend of mine and um, it was very cool to catch up with him on, on a father level um, ahead of his very first Father's Day as he waits for his baby to be born. So anywho, we are going to get into the conversation with Jason. He now is a news anchor up in Milwaukee, where um, Brittany is as well. Obviously, she actually just left her news station, and she is taking on a new position. So they have a very cool year ahead of them. It's also their, um, their third wedding anniversary. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a great year for them, and I'm happy to, um, to be a part of a little bit by celebrating their baby story here on, on A Mother Level. We finish up the episode with a little Father's Day quiz that I created just for Jason, and so I hope you will play along and tell me how you did on the little quiz. Spoiler alert, Jason did not do great. It was kind of hard. It was kind of hard, but I just, I really felt he was up for the challenge. This is episode 83, and this is my interview with dad-to-be Jason Fechner.
1: Yeah, it's been five or six years. So I had left WQAD for a job with the ABC station in Indianapolis and then left that job for a job with Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis for a while. Then Brittany and I got married and then immediately we had moved once in India again. I think that was our third time. Um, (laughs) And then got a job offer to move to Milwaukee and Wisconsin. So we've been here now for almost three years, two and a half years at this point.
0: How do you guys like Milwaukee?
1: We like it a lot. So we got super fortunate with this in the sense that my family is north of Chicago and Brittany's family is in Red Wing, Minnesota. So they went from being nine to 10 hours away from her to like four and a half, four if Brittany's driving. And we're like an hour from my family. So we're smack dab in the middle and Obviously, with the little nugget on the way, that uh, that works out very well for both of us.
0: Oh, certainly. So I feel like we would be remiss um, in talking about you becoming a dad if we did not talk about your dad, because the Ed Fetchner stories are pretty legendary.
1: Yes, and they continue <laughs> to this day, I'm happy to say. I grew up just outside Chicago, and my dad, Ed Fetchner, uh, I believe our last name is properly pronounced Fechner by all indications. So my mom says Fechner. uh, Other members of the family had said Fechner. And then I questioned my dad at a young age on why he says Fechner. And he said, (laughs) well, it's easier in business to say it that way because it's easier to spell. And I was only like four or five and still wise enough to be like, well, don't people then put a T in the F-E-C-H-N-E-R. Oh, yeah. And he said all the time. And I thought to myself, well, this makes no sense, Ed, Dad. This makes it no easier to spell. So I grew up more or less with two last names. Yeah. Except when he'd, except when he'd call and order pizza. Then he'd always call and order pizza. And he'd go, he'd pause and he'd be like, just put it under Ed. So that was my, <laughs> that was my life.
0: Okay. So you know what we used to do? Because there is a Chinese restaurant in Palatine, Illinois called Hang Wing. I don't sure. know if you're familiar with the Hang Wing. I've seen it. Well, my mom used to order Chinese under the last name of Miller. <laughs> and that was the first time that I really realized that that you will grow up to be an adult and be aggravated by the spelling of your own name.
1: I like that a lot. I've yeah. always thought you might be in witness protection. I've thought that from a, <laughs> for many years now, that you're some sort of covert thing and a Turner is some sort of secret spy. Yeah, I haven't put no my attention. finger on it yet, but... Yeah. When I think James Bond, I think your husband.
0: Oh no, yeah, he is slick. <laughs> he is all oiled up and shiny. Yep. Yes, one hundred. Every time I
1: see him, he's got a martini in his hand and he's he's casing the casing the room.
0: No, your your dad stories always just cracked me up because they always involve a little bit of a tedious phone call. Yeah,
1: always. And there was usually a
0: favor involved.
1: Yes, he uh, he still calls to this day, and if I miss his call, he'll leave a voice message and say, Hey, this is your dad. I know I've got caller ID. Uh, (laughs) Hey, this is your dad. I'm going to need you to call me as soon as you get this message. And still (laughs) like I'm in my forties now. And I hear that. And I feel like I've failed some sort of history test in the seventh grade. And he just got a call from the teacher, like immediately heart drops. It's like, Oh my goodness. And then he'll be like, "Are you uh, are you going to come on Saturday and and trim these bushes here for your mom, or what's going on?" I'm like, "Jesus, Dad, come <laughs> on, man! <laughs> Never hear of a casual conversation before."
0: Oh God, but your dad, your dad um, is a is an important part of your life. The other, I think, big male figure in your life was your grandpa, and yes. I like hearing stories about your grandpa just because that's our Bizarro Palatine connection.
1: Yes, that is right. So. My grandparents had emigrated to the US in 1950. Um, They were refugees from Yugoslavia, they made it to Austria, and then came over with a sponsor and and were sponsored in Chicago and did that. And then um, they pretty much came over to the States, not with a lot of money whatsoever as refugees from a farming village down the Danube River, but he saved really hard and he was a custodian at a bunch of apartment buildings on the Northwest side of the city. And he ended up buying his own brick apartment building then. And we still have that in our family today. He's been gone for almost 10 years now. What a great grandfather to grow up with. He was very stoic is a good word, especially with like my grandmother. I don't remember, like he would do the working and she loved cooking and he would work all morning and he would come in for a lunch and he wouldn't say much. And he would just sit there and eat his lunch. And then he would go back to work and then come home for a dinner. And that was it. But he had this weird sense of humor that was so fun. Every Christmas, he would buy her the perfume that she liked from Lincoln Square, the German village there in Chicago. And he would go to this uh, perfume shop. He'd buy this big bottle of, I think it was called like 8711 or some sort of weird number. And he would put it in a box. And every year he would surround the perfume with something weird like bricks or or oranges. So all of a sudden it's Christmas and everyone's opening presents. And then it's time for my Oma to open the gift from Ota. And we all knew here's the gallon and a half of perfume that she really enjoys. (laughs) And then you'd put the gift on her lap and it weighed like 80 pounds. And he would start crying. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world and he would just lose it every so he was uh, super good natured and, and always uh, fun and just a wonderful grandfather. Um, but he never, you know, never wore his emotions on his sleeve. But those were always those moments every Christmas where he would just lose his mind over, you know, messing with my grandmother that way. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, I'm not surprised he's related to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> uh, I, I picked up some quirks. Court- so I was the oldest grandchild and in part because of that, I spent a ton of time with him. Uh, like every Friday night growing up, I would stay at their house. He would then take me to the apartment building on Saturday mornings and make me run all the back steps and vestibules and get all the garbage and do all like four years old, lugging, <laughs> lugging bags down the steps for him. And then um, as I got older, he would come like visit me in college sometimes. And when I started moving around with news jobs, he would always come because he always wanted to inspect the station.
0: Oh, cool. And
1: then And for a long time, I would drive back to Chicago pretty much every Saturday morning from Cross to the Quad Cities and which, you know, was several hours back and forth. But he always wanted to go to lunch on Saturdays because that was his excuse to get out of the house and get away from my grandmother for a little bit. So it'd be like 1030 in the morning and he'd be like, what took you so long? It's like, it's 1030 in the morning. I've just driven three hours. Now we're going to go get a hot soup and some ribs and... Go right back home again.
0: But you would go to the same place. You would go to the Palatine Inn. We'd go
1: to the Palatine Inn, which Mm -hmm. you know very well. They have a great bread bowl. They have a delicious soup selection. And he would go through the same tradition of we would each pick up our menu. And um, it didn't matter because eventually when the waiter or waitress came by, you know, this is like a typical kind of Greek family restaurant. He would then put the menu down and order ribs for both of us every single time. So, Looking at the menu was totally pointless. And then we would get the soup and the ribs and we would comment on how good the bread was.
0: It's just a very small world situation. And I realize we're going to spend time talking about a restaurant right now. Um, I love it. But it's, but it's just bizarre that this restaurant that I went to every Sunday as a kid growing up, every single Sunday, we went to this restaurant, all four of us kids, my parents, after church every Sunday. And yeah, it's just this like dinky little restaurant called the Palatine Inn. And then to randomly you're, you know, I I sit next to you at work for however many 4 or 5 years and we discovered we have this Palatine Inn connection. It's just bizarre.
1: We should have recorded this there today and that's our bad.
0: Yeah, that is our bad. Because if I was there what I would have gotten is the pigs in a blanket and the pigs in a blanket is four pancakes each with a sausage tucked in between there. We always ordered chocolate milk. It came with a little whipped cream on top. And um, as long as the regular waitress was there, we would get these things as we liked them. And whenever somebody was filling in, it usually, you know, altered our routine a tad.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steer this podcast in my direction now because this <laughs> is your podcast. But it, it is kind of fun to reminisce about like those memories as kids because it really is like this simplest of things that resonate the most and you remember the most, like the fact that you had whipped cream on the chocolate milk. It's not some great thing you got at Christmas or a birthday necessarily. It's like those little tidbits are super fun to remember.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I do, I do wonder what those things are that I maybe am or am not creating for my own kids. And I realize they're young, but it's sort of terrifying in a sense to think like, what are they going to remember from this particular evening? You know what I mean? Like, will they remember this part of it? Or are they going to remember the the part that I hope they don't remember, you know?
1: They'll probably remember those parts where Turner disappears in his Aston Martin and goes on super <laughs> spy missions. They'll probably remember that part that dad's a super spy.
0: That's true. That's
1: true. Mm-hmm. No hiding it.
0: <laughs> okay, Jason. So in case people didn't hear Brittany's episode, which I know they did listen to it because it was a very well-listened, well-downloaded episode. Um, your wife, Brittany, you, go- you met her here in the Quad Cities. Correct. You guys. Hey, is this your anniversary weekend that we're recording?
1: Depending on when it airs, yes.
0: Okay. Well, hey.
1: 16th. Thank you.
0: Happy anniversary. Thanks, pal. That's a biggie. And you guys are expecting your baby boy in September.
1: Correct-ish. Based on the newest data that has come in, uh, <laughs> he is he is uh, trending big in the 99th percentile in, in some ways, shapes, and forms. So... Uh, due date maybe more toward the end of August at this point.
0: Interesting. TBD. Okay, so not a surprise that this child is trending large.
1: Right. I have given her no sympathy to that effect because <laughs> she knew what she was getting into.
0: I love it. Well, I have a thing about big babies. I had two of them. And um, bottom line is you're less afraid of breaking them at the beginning. And so I think that's a huge plus when you have no idea what the heck you're doing.
1: Right we were joking this morning through, you know, the entire IVF process, and then the transfer, like there were so many appointments and, you know, discussions with doctors, and then all of a sudden, kind of realized like the last couple days, I'm like, wow, once, once you kind of get past that finish line, it's like hands off, you know, like, obviously, there are several appointments here and there and, and ultrasounds and whatnot. But for the most part, it's, you know, and, and she's been doing wonderfully and uh, we're blessed. Everything seems to be going great, but like it's kind of like hands off. I'm like, yeah, we'll see you we'll <laughs> see ya in the fall. okay, I guess we'll we'll just hang out. Well,
0: and that's kind of the conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom is that men don't become dads until there's a baby in their arms, you know. But I wonder yeah. though, if going through the IVF process, like you're really more dialed in than most dads who like randomly, you know, will, will get an iPhone shoved in their face with some news.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <It's laughs> Not a little, how I
0: did it, to be clear.
1: Right, it's a little more of a, uh, a, an intensive process, obviously for her and for myself. But yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Like we were, God bless her for going through this, like the number of shots and the size of the needles day after day after day. And it had to be within a certain window of time. And especially in round one, she was racing back from work and a road was shut down. And I had to leave work to get back in time to do like the stress of like trying to time out when you're doing the shots. And then all of a sudden you get to the point of the embryo transfer. And then you're like, well, I think we did shots for a a few more weeks after that. But then once that's done, it's like now, no, no shots. Yeah. Just going to be as. (laughs) helpful and attentive as I can possibly be. And we'll just regroup in the fall and here comes a baby.
0: <laughs> okay. So acknowledging that you're, you can be a little bit of a private guy. So I am going to poke a little bit here. Um, tell me, did you, cause I really want to get like kind of the male frame of mind on something as intense as IVF. So I'm wondering, first and foremost, did you have, obviously it was pretty clear that this was the direction doctors thought you should go, but right. what hesitations did you have about, you know, going into this huge medical process, you know, to be able to start a family?
1: I had none and, you know, I, I don't know kind of why that is to a certain degree and when my mom had breast cancer or family members or friends who dealt with big medical situations, one of the things that, and I don't know if someone told this to me at some point or I just kind of threw it in the back of my mind and, and kept it there is like when it comes to creating life, I really don't know what in the world on the science side that takes. So I'm just going to listen to the doctor's. And God bless Brittany. She had done a ton of reading and research and was very dialed in. So I am simply going to do what the smartest people in the room will tell us to do. Yeah. And that was kind of our decision on it. And when everyone who was a whole lot smarter than me, and there are a lot of people like that, uh, said, This is what you should do. Yeah. I'm of the mindset of like, Well, then that's what we should do. Let's yeah. go do that
0: so you're telling me hands down there was no ego involved you know what I mean no. because like the dude is supposed to do this thing and then things right. are supposed to happen and then you know all is well and you go back to the cave and you know fry up a a, a bison line you know sure. like right like it's a very primitive thing and I think sometimes it can be hard on the male end to be like I don't need I don't need no doctors I don't need stuff like I got all the equipment that I need right here <laughs>
1: Right. And but then when the doctors are like, you can keep going back and forth to the, you know, the well all you want on this, but <laughs> there's going to need to be some medical attention paid, uh, you know, and, and boost Britney up and give her these shots and everything else it's like, all right, well, let's. if the goal is to have this phenomenal uh, boy or girl at the time, then let's do whatever it takes to, to get to that point.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what, like, what did you really know about IVF going into it? I mean, obviously like nothing.
1: Uh, The only thing I knew about it, and this is going to be a a real offbeat reference. um, There was a movie with Hugh Jackman and is it Ashley Judd? One of the Judds. Okay. Some movie and her sister was going through IVF in the movie. And I remember that the husband was practicing with the needles on oranges, like that is for the most part, the only like visual representation of IVF that I'd have. The other thing was I have family members, um, like second cousins or, you know, kind of second great aunts or whomever had gone through it. And all of them had twins. So when we were gonna go down this road, I genuinely thought like, oh, we're gonna go down this road. And we're absolutely then going to have like twins or triplets because everyone else I know will have twins or triplets. And even that didn't make me any more nervous about it. I just assumed for the first few days of it, like, oh, we're going to have multiple babies.
0: And that was fine.
1: Yeah, sure. (laughs) And the other part of all this, too, is a lot of this was taking place, obviously, during the pandemic. So we had some zoom calls with the doctor I wasn't allowed to go to many places in person and, and talk to people but I do remember at some I think that was on zoom I think I had asked the doctor or seemed somewhat surprised like oh we we were just gonna have one." Oh, okay that's <laughs> a dope
0: now you don't have a coupon for that sort of a thing you seem like a guy with a coupon
1: God, would that be, I could have used a coupon for sure.
0: Yeah. I, uh, the price point of IVF probably came up a time or two.
1: Yeah. The, pr- <laughs> the price point was not, uh, not ideal.
0: <laughs> Little Aldi joke.
1: For those who, yeah. For those who don't know, I love a good, I love a good price point.
0: Given, given that you didn't know much going in, which I don't think anybody really knows much going in, what do you think surprised you most about the whole process?
1: and this wasn't really a surprise, but you kind of go through this emotional wave of getting to this point of now you're going to, you know, open this door and, and, you know, go to the IVF route and there's a lot of uncertainty and none of that is for sure either. And, you know, that's a lot of emotional weight there, but then physical stuff of the shots in particular. So you've got this, you know, for Brittany, you've got the stress of everything going on then you're injecting these drugs the whole time and you know this was pleasantly not a surprise but she was just such a champion the whole time you know so i think going through it on my side of things that made administering these shots and you know pushing these needles which are genuinely this big into her oh is insane but the fact that she was able to just like navigate that like a champ what in the world did I have to like complain about or be concerned about or be worried about, you know, it was just like, oh, this is, this is how we're going to do this now.
0: Especially not being able to be there for a lot of the stuff. I imagine there's like a helplessness there.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, And I was able to go to not the most recent one, but the one one ultrasound. And that was like mind blowing in the sense that, you know, they're able to render his face and he had weighed just over a pound at the time looking back when this is done and he's here like that'll be kind of the missed opportunity that I've missed out on because that was such a cool experience being able to go and in normal times couples that are expecting get those experiences a little more often and so now she'll go and it's like all right text me how it goes or you know send me some pictures I think that's the one thing that I'm kind of missing out on because of the way of the world.
0: Yeah. Right now. So was that like the 20-week thing that you got to go to where they were like really look him over?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. That was it. And like crazy, you could see the the blood flow through the heart. And I was just laughing because the woman who was performing it and, and showing us these images, you know, for her it's another day and she's zipping through this stuff. And I'm just like, what, wait, hold on, what? This is like mind blowing. Never yeah, forget that. that.
0: Yeah, the the sound of a heartbeat is something you'll never forget. You can still, like, dial it in in your head and hear it. And Brittany Brittany told me that uh, that you kept the recording on your phone and and you would listen to it every now and then. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Pretty fun to have. And, you know, for my brother, my brother and sister-in-law, they've got two beautiful kids, so he's gone through this before. So at first I was like, I wonder how much he'll, like, care having had the babies, but... He's been super fun and excited to see all the pictures and everything else. So it's it's been really cool.
0: I love that. You know, there's loving your kids and then watching other people love your kids that it feels so good.
1: Yeah, he uh, he came up on Sunday because we we're trying to renovate this house as quickly as possible. And he's, he's big into eBay and sells a lot of stuff on eBay. So on the way up to Wisconsin, he'd stopped at like a garage sale or something. I don't know. Uh, long story short, he bought the uh, land speeder, power wheels, rideable car for the baby who obviously won't be able to use it for two years, but he like comes pulling into the driveway, opens the hatch and he's like, look at this. And it, you know, weighs 200 pounds and it takes up like a full car spot in the garage. And he's like, he's going to love it. I'm like, I, he will totally <laughs> Our
0: kids have, to three have the, like the grave digger monster truck. And that was the best 300 bucks we've ever spent. They love that thing.
1: Oh, your kids have the monster truck version of the Power Wheels, Denise? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Shocker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing Brittany did mention was that um, there was some sort of a uh, YouTube training video of how to administer the shots and that you guys thought perhaps that video needed updating with a TV f- seasoned couple. Yeah, um, has, have there been any movement on that job for the two of you? Uh,
1: no, I've been happy to just leave that completely, completely behind. But, uh, that is one thing now that you <laughs> mention it the first time that I had to give one of the big shots, you had to like put the needle in the one vial, extract like a milliliter of the fluid. Then you had to put it into a different vial and, and mix it through there. And you have to like do it the right way and push the air down and flip it and pull the stuff out. And it was like dripping out of the top and in my mind, in part because of the price point thing, uh, I'm like, I'm losing out on valuable, whatever this liquid is. So I really honed in. I might have watched some videos even on my own to really perfect how to not lose any of that and how to make sure that we were doing things as safely as possible.
0: Oh my God. So Brittany told me that she, I mean, she was by the book. If they told her to drink something foul, she was going to drink it. If she had to eat something foul, if she had to stand on her head for a half an hour and hum happy birthday, she was going to do it.
1: Yeah. She was was an absolute rock star.
0: (laughs) What was like the craziest thing she ate or the weirdest thing she drank? Or when were you like, all right, lady. (laughs)
1: Well, now, I think now
0: we've crossed a line. <laughs>
1: the only thing that she's really kind of binged food wise since, uh, deviled eggs. Okay. Um, you know, randomly it's like two in the afternoon. It's like, oh, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm eating some devileds. <laughs> well, of course, because it's a Thursday. Uh, <laughs> so she's been into deviled <laughs> eggs a lot. Um, I think part of it too was going through all this in the midst of COVID and being so careful about COVID on top of the IVF stuff you know, we really were in pretty solid lockdown mode for a long time.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so in the midst of that, as I said, you know, we're trying to, or I'm trying to renovate this house and do some stuff here. So like, because she's in lockdown, she would be able to smell like if I had used Windex in a bathroom, like two days ago, she would be able to like detect it from other corners of the house. So like, cleaning products, lockdown, paint, obviously there was none of that going on. And it was really funny because her dad was here helping. We were down in the basement. We'd like blown apart concrete down there, like, and just gross and dirty. And at some point, Brittany was walking through the kitchen and she's like, did you guys use Windex down there? And we're (laughs) like, absolutely not. Like it is gross and like shop vac and whatever else she's like, I'm pretty sure I can smell some glass cleaner right now and Dan and I were just you know bush lights in hand like no no uh you're you're good to go
0: (laughs) I do enjoy the amount of nesting that you've been doing you've been doing a ton of work at the house
1: yes even right before we fired this up I was out there trying to pull some grass up and put it in a new flower bed
0: well she thought you might bring up buckthorn
1: I mean how much time do we have (laughs) That's the one thing I'll say about the house quickly, because I should talk about the buckthorn situation. So we bought this house. It had not really been touched in like 20 or 30 years. So it's a full, like gutted the whole upstairs and had to do all this stuff in the basement now kind of work on the first floor. And then me on the landscaping side of things, I'm like, oh, look at all these trees. Look at that privacy. Look at these bushes. Great, whatever, Uh, buy the house. And then two days later, the neighbor's like, well, you've got your work cut out for you with this one. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? She's like, see all those bushes and like everywhere? Yeah. Uh, she's like, that's uh, buckthorn and that will, that takes over all your plants. And sure enough, um, it just springs like a weed all over the place. So every Monday when I take the garbage out, I've got a stack of like 10 feet of trees and bushes and buckthorn. And this shows no signs of letting up. So I really need him to get here. And be able to handle a saw as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, no, I can understand that. You're going to need a Mm two-man setup pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts on the day of birth? Like, like, what's your general game plan?
1: Through this whole process, and hopefully I've done an okay job at this, is to, um, you know, whatever Brittany wants, whatever helps, great, I'm all for it. So when we get to that day, just kind of carry that theme through, like whatever helps, whatever she wants, obviously, like, how can I not be in the way? What, how can I facilitate getting across the finish line? And then, you know, call it a day. So
0: that's, that's a good policy. Are you going to look?
1: I don't know yet. I don't even, you know, like whatever, whatever people are telling me to do, I will, I will do.
0: Right. Yeah. And they're, they're malleable gonna,
1: yeah. in this way right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. It's a little noncommittal. I mean, That's I'm,
1: okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for all of it or I'm ready for none of it. Whatever makes everyone <laughs> the most happy I will, I will do.
0: Okay. Good, good policy. This is all really good stuff. Um, I'm curious uh, during your, your, your time um, working at the children's hospital, you know, you, yeah. uh, you probably came in contact with a lot of parents going through a lot of tough stuff. Any lessons that you took away from that experience?
1: Well, I'll always say that, you know, having that chance to work at Riley in the Children's Hospital, and I did that for almost two years, yeah. was like one of the, I mean, most wonderful experiences that I got to have. And unfortunately, that comes at the expense of watching so many families with children, a lot of whom I'm still in touch with to this day. Really? Uh, All the time, all the time. But like, you know, there were families whose children had brain tumors, and I would be in the operating room, you know, documenting how that went and, and, you know, shooting video and getting pictures for them to be able to show other families going through the same thing about the technology that they can now use to basically go into a three or four year olds brain and remove part of the skull and remove the tumor and use a robot that is able to do that and then like you know clearly I'm not a medical professional by any means but I'd be with the family beforehand and talking with them I'd be with them after a procedure like that and just to see like you know the resolve that parents have when it comes to their kids of you know there are no rules they will do whatever it takes and seeing so many of those stories and, and being part of those firsthand was like really a game changer parental future experience for me to see, you know, really kind of that, that deep down resolve that parents can have.
0: Can we talk a little bit about being a first time dad in your forties? Yeah. you know, I'm just curious, you know, obviously things happen when they happen. Obviously it's coming around when the universe said it should, but I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, we were joking about that in the sense that I think we saw that the school board meetings or the PTO meetings or something are like 10 in the morning. And I don't go to work till noon. And Brittany's like, Well, you're going to, you know, go to those meetings when he's old enough to obviously go to school and go to the grade school, which fortunately for us is like a walkable distance over here. And I'm like, Totally. I'm going to be that guy, like rolling in hot, complimenting people on like the bake sale and, you know, talking to all the other parents in there, but I'm absolutely going to like at that point, I'll be like, almost mid 40s. So there's yeah. a real good chance that I'm like 20 years older at that point than <laughs> some of the other parents who are there, clearly with no more experience about right. parenting than they have at the time, everyone's kind of in the pool together. The fun thing I think for me has been, you know, waited. To get married obviously when you meet the right person and then going through this whole process you were fortunate to have a baby whenever we have the baby great for my very close friends their kids are now like three to six ish yeah so all of them have just been waiting with like half their garage full of stuff And my one college roommate, Tom, who, you know, lives now two miles from where we live here and we're together all the time. And he's got these two beautiful daughters and he loves nothing more than pulling into the driveway with his Jeep full of kid stuff and baby stuff. And, you know, he'll drop it off and stroll. It's just all this stuff all the time. And in my head, I'm like, this is very nice that my lifelong friend is, so excited about having that we're having the baby and whatever. No, it, it has nothing to do with that. As soon as he drops the stuff off, I always see him do this. <laughs> it's, it's out, you know, like to that degree, it's kind of uh, fun being the last uh, last in line and going through it. And you get a lot of advice from everyone. And uh, my yeah. college roommate, he's flying in next week, and we're all going to be able to hang out. And we had done the same thing before he had a baby a few years ago for their first one. So it's it's cool to get those differing perspectives after everyone's gone through, you know, childbirth and and having the babies on their own.
0: Right. No, and it's weird because it's not like you really know anybody's age. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I've lost the ability to hone in on like, oh, like that person must be this or that. I mean, I went to the bandits game last weekend and like half those guys, I'm like, I'm the, I'm the same age as them, right? I'm 19. Right. I'm like, totally. Right. <laughs> It's just interesting because like Turner is obsessed sometimes with the idea of like, we can't have a third kid. If we had a third kid, I would be 54 by the time they graduated high school. And I'm like, what do you you care? We are in this stage, no matter what age we are, we're like, we're still raising young kids and like a, right. a year to two plus or minus like doesn't matter but he like he always goes to the on the day of their graduation I'm like what why are you obsessed with that so you don't seem obsessed with age
1: no not at all you know <laughs> and and lord willing there will be at least another baby down the road here and you know I try to keep uh, young at heart for the most part and yeah you know I don't feel myself like physically slowing down by any means right now so knock on wood nobody
0: said you're 85 you're not Clint Eastwood like having your baby at 65
1: sometimes though I do feel a little (laughs) like that but uh yeah for the most part like you know whatever he'll be fine and down the road if there's another baby he or she will also be fine and will be well taken care of and we'll we'll make it work
0: I like it okay do you care before I let you go I have a little um I have a little trivia game that I want to play with you
1: if it's about The Bachelor, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail real bad. It's
0: not about The Bachelor, although the uh, the grandfather, the godfather of The Bachelor is out of his job officially. So saw that. Yeah. So that's um that's the biggest uh, news in The Bachelor world. No, it's just random father-related trivia that I thought okay. would be really fun. The results of this test indicate how good of a father you're going to be.
1: <laughs> okay. Right. Okay.
0: What is the name of Steve Martin's character on Father of the Bride?
1: Martin's character on Father of the Bride. Um, Can you give me a first letter of the last name?
0: I will give you a different kind of hint. Mr. Bonks.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, Banks. Um, (laughs) I won't remember.
0: George Banks.
1: George Banks. That's right. Am I going to be a terrible father now? Well, I I mean, so far,
0: so far, you're one Mm. wrong uh what is danny tanner's job
1: oh he's a morning uh news anchor
0: that's exactly for
1: right. wake up san francisco does that give me two points have i negated my father the bride swing a miss
0: that's not really how we structured the game okay. All right. to allow for additional points but i will accept it <laughs> um what is father's day called in germany
1: well is it doctor's probably not um,
0: well, um, th- this website called it Monertog. Would that make sense to you?
1: That would not. Like Maybe manner- it's a dialect thing. I don't think I lose points on that one.
0: <laughs> There's a dialect issue. Oh, wow. Three mm-hmm. questions and two contested things here. Yep. That's great. What is the most gifted present for Father's Day?
1: Um, I'm going to go with a shirt.
0: It's the necktie
1: is it really still yes. the necktie, but no one wears neckties anymore.
0: I know. So there could be, there could be a groundswell change in that stat. <laughs> so a lot of right
1: disappointed now, fathers.
0: Necktie holding steady.
1: Real quick before you get to the next question, that's yeah. another Ed Fetchner story. <laughs> I remember being, being at college and like ahead of maybe my first father's day at college We're on the phone and he goes, Hey, I gotta, I just gotta tell you something. And you're like, Oh God, what's this going to be? Don't get me any sort of like uh Valparaiso dad sweatshirt Don't don't <laughs> even don't waste your money on something with like the dad thing on there and I've never asked like why he was so opposed to wearing some sort right. of fatherhood gear but I will never forget no, don't, just don't even waste your money on a Valpo dad sweatshirt which I don't think I'd considered at the time but right there you go
0: um would are you gonna be a dad sweatshirt type of a guy
1: well it's funny that you asked Denise because let's see if I can. <laughs> Number one dad, socks. (laughs) It's the first time I've worn them. Brittany got them for me ahead of Father's Day, so I figured that this was fitting.
0: I love it. I love it. There's a Seinfeld reference in there, and I love it. Okay. Name the celebrity father who has a daughter named Apple. Uh, Jay-Z. No. That's Blue Ivy.
1: Oh, that's Blue Ivy. It's Chris Martin.
0: That's right. There were two presidents involved in making Father's Day a national holiday. So you can name either one of them.
1: Let's go with uh, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> Wouldn't have been Truman. Was it Truman? It was not. No. Um, so
0: apparently Lyndon Johnson designated the third Sunday in June as okay. Father's Day. And Nixon signed the law making it a national holiday.
1: Gotcha. Okay. More recent than I would have thought.
0: Yes. Did you know that there is an official flower of Father's Day?
1: Oh well, which of course flower is Because it? not the tulip, because those are gone. Uh, sunflower.
0: Um, it's actually a
1: rose. Is it really?
0: Yeah, which I find very weird. I would clearly have clearly. I'm going to be the worst.
1: Father in the world. I'm like, it's one not looking for looking 14, great. though.
0: It's not looking great. Ramon and Carlos Estevez are the real names of this father son pair. Uh, Ramon and Carlos Estevez.
1: Martin and Charlie Sheen.
0: <gasps> Good for you. Nailed Thanks. it.
1: But Emilio Estevez plays into it, but he never changed his name.
0: That's right. Interesting, huh? Right. Yeah. What a tangled web. Name the planet that was named after the father of titans like the the god known as the father of titans is the same name as a planet
1: Neptune
0: Uranus Fitting <laughs> You're welcome Um this is your last question Thanks uh, this is for all the marbles <laughs> Thank goodness
1: for anyone still listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So glad to have you still with us. What did the founding fathers use to keep their wigs white?
1: Um, Was it like a talcum powder?
0: It was ground rice. Oh. Hasn't this been an interesting and enlightening experience?
1: Yes. I will go to work today feeling like an abject failure after this now. So thanks for the confidence boost.
0: I think you should have studied a little bit. The original really? game that I wanted to play was I wanted to go through your registry and name things and ask you what they were. But oh. I'll be honest, your wife has registered for some very practical items that don't have bizarre names. Like I well, was hoping to really... like throw some like jumperoo 6,000 at you <laughs> and have you be like, I don't know. It could be any number of apparatuses that have arrived <laughs> here at my home. Yep.
1: Does it, does it look like a, like a giraffe, like a fish? Does it, <laughs> all the themes.
0: Yeah. The one thing that she did register for that I thought was wonderful and very fitting um, was like a little pajama suit that had bowls of ramen noodles all over it. Yeah, And I thought that was adorable. Gonna,
1: he's going to be big into the ramen.
0: <laughs> um, okay, Jason, I'm going to leave you with this question. I guess, you know, this will be your technical first father's day, what are your thoughts about, about being on this end of the father's day?
1: Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with, you know, obviously Brittany being pregnant and having like this, you know, hopefully it was pretty fun, awesome mother's day experience. Uh, for me, I'm still just kind of along for the ride until he <laughs> can show up and then that support role. Um, but no, I'm excited about it. I've got the dad socks ready to rock and roll. socks. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, On our Father's Day's growing up, my dad would use that as a nice opportunity to not do a lot of yard work. Which, to be honest, he would pretty much try to use any day uh, for not a lot. I'm going to go the opposite route. I think, like you know, if you're going to let the dad do something that the dad wants to do, like I'll probably keep cutting down buckthorn for the time being, and maybe next year have a nice lunch or a you know a rib at the at the Palatine Inn, but. Yeah, onward and upward and countdown continues and excited for all of it.
0: Well, despite the results of this very unofficial quiz, I think you're <laughs> going to make a fantastic father. Thank you. This has been a really fun conversation. It's kind of cool because I think in a year from now, I think we should touch base again.
1: You or know? beforehand. I mean, not over the po- yeah, podcast right. wise a year, but we'll probably be right. in touch before then.
0: Right. So thank you very much for your insight and for letting me throw some uncomfortable questions your way.
1: Well, happy to have done it.
0: Well, how did you do on the Father's Day quiz? Send me a message and let me know how you did. Or better yet, write the questions down and ask them to your husband, baby daddy, partner, what have you. um, And tell me how they did. So I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day weekend, and we have three more fathers coming up in the next couple of weeks here on On A Mother Level. You can follow along with what we're up to over on the Instagram page. It's at On A Mother Level. Thank you for following. Thank you for sharing with a friend, and we'll be back again next week. Talking to dads all this month because when it comes to parenthood, we can relate.
1: You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.